Hello and welcome to the podcast, Mom. Can you give us a little intro on who you are and what you do? Sure. So uh, my name is Dina Fiorella. I am Maya's mom. I am a Pilates instructor at Equinox. Um, I have been doing that for about eight years, teaching Pilates. Prior to that, I had a career, a long career in retail, and I am happy to be here today. I'm happy to have you. Before we jump into the real episode, just as a little fun introduction, we'll start with some rapid fire questions. So the first one, where's your favorite place to vacation? Mexico. I love a vacation where my only choice is pool or beach. (laughs) I love that. Me too. What is a quote that you live by? I think You know, there's quite a few, but I think the one that always resonates with me is that um, people will always remember how you made them feel. Um, They might forget what you do. I'm not getting the quote exactly right, but they will always remember the way you made them feel. So I think uh, just always trying to lead with kindness and making sure that you're empathetic to others is probably the most important thing in life. I love that. Would you rather get flowers or chocolates for Mother's Day? Hmm, good question. I'm trying to give up my sugar addiction a little bit, so I'm going to go with flowers this year. What is your favorite TV show? Ted Lasso. It's just like the most joyous show. I'm trying to get you to watch it. I know you haven't watched it yet. We're almost done with Gossip Girl. We're on the last season. Well, I did love Gossip Girl as well. Yes. You're carrying on that torch. (laughs) Okay. Last question. What is something small that makes you smile? I think when you're just out in the world and you make eye contact or you're able to wave at somebody or smile at somebody, I think that brings me a lot of joy. I think it just speaks to human connection and just that, um, you know, that you didn't even have to do anything, but somewhere along the way, you made a, a brief little connection with somebody. I love that. So one thing that I realized since moving to LA is how much our relationship as mother and daughter has changed. And since it's Mother's Day, when this episode goes live, I would love to talk all about mom and daughter relationships. But before we jump into our relationship, I actually would love to know more about you and Nana, which is my grandma, my mom's mom's relationship, because I feel like I don't really know that much about how you guys were when you were younger. So let's take it back to when you were the daughter. Okay. <laughs> how, how did you and Nana's relationship evolve over time? Um, you know, I think it evolved probably pretty similarly to our relationship. So Nana and Papa had, you know, four daughters, three that lived with us. And then Aunt Wendy, who, who didn't, um, she grew up with her mom. Um, and I feel like the re- my parents always encouraged me to have relationships with my siblings more so than with the parents. Um, I think they were really busy and they were doing the best they could and we were stretched thin on time. So I don't like actually have a lot of memories as like a young child um, or yeah, that, that we're just like that relationship. As we, as we got into the teen years, I was quite um, a know-it-all and a little rebellious, but rebellious in a different way. I didn't necessarily get in a lot of trouble, but I did have like strong opinions, always had to have the last word. And I just, 
Yeah. And so it was a little tumultuous, I would say <laughs> a lot of fighting, a lot of, um, I never accepted the, the idea of just do it because I said so. And I think I was always kind of trying to look for something bigger, um, than what I was experiencing. And so our relationship got better immediately. The day I moved out of the house at, I think I was just turned 18 years old, uh, the day I moved out of the house, like our relationship started to get better. Um, and then fast forward, I think becoming a mom, having you um, gave me a lot of gratitude and understanding for all the sacrifices she made. So I think I was able to get myself to a place of where maybe I was angry at some of the choices that were made when I was a teenager. I started to really understand that that she did the best she could with the with the tools she had. Um, now, so I would say during COVID, I made this commitment Nana got COVID early on, um, got very sick. Thankfully is, it, you know, got better, but I decided I was going to call her every day and we've never had that kind of relationship where I call her every day or talk to her even once a week. And I think just being in California and her being in New Orleans, it, it was just a priority to me because I realized it brought her a lot of joy and it gave me a little bit more insight into who she was as a person versus just thinking of her as my mom. She was supposed to do this. She was supposed to do that. She was supposed to provide. It gave me just a better understanding of her and her relationships and how she views the world. I definitely agree that our relationship also got incredibly better once I moved out as well. I think that sometimes when you live so closely with your mom or even just your parents in general, it can cause a lot of like anger, frustration. And especially in the teen years, I feel like that's when it was like really hard for me. But once I moved out, I was like, oh wait, I actually kind of miss my mom. And I think that's when I started texting you and calling you more frequently as well. Was there something that Nana taught you about being a mother that you maybe implemented into my life? Uh, yeah, lots of things. Um, I think the one thing that comes to mind first is it didn't matter how mean I was to her or the hurtful things I said to her. She always showed up for me and she never like continued to bring it up. She never um, made me feel bad about what I said. And I think it, you know, when <laughs> fast forward when you maybe were a little not so nice to me at times. And I'm sure some of it I deserve for hundred percent, but I, you know, it made me realize that she taught me. And I think I, and I hope that I taught you that, that a mom's love is unconditional. And so if you had, if you were angry about something in the world, but you weren't feeling like you could express it to the world that you could take it out on me and I would still be there for you. And I think, you know, that's an important lesson in life to learn how to control your anger and control like what you're frustrated with. I think the other thing is, you know, for me, I saw a lot of similarities with my mom and some of the things that maybe as a teenager, I didn't like about myself. Um, when I would see her exhibit those qualities, it would make me angry because I was like, oh, that's me. I don't want to be that. So I'm going to be angry and fight against that instead of learning to like embrace my own you know, just authentic self. Yeah, definitely. What do you think was like your favorite memory with Nana? You know, I think it's been more recent as an adult. Um, I think we've gone on some beach trips that you've joined us on and, 
you know, having, you know, moments of just hanging out on a balcony in Florida with the family and just like everybody kind of being who they are and accepting who they are. I think that the way she shows up in the world, I don't know that it's necessarily a memory, but if you know Nana, you can kind (laughs) of, you know, always describe her as a fairy who sprinkles glitter all over the world. And she's got this optimism about her and kindness. She doesn't always say the right things or (laughs) she's not like, necessarily polished, but she's got this, um, this way about her that people really like her. Um, and I think, you know, forever, I'll always like laugh when I hear her laugh. (laughs) Definitely. I mean, for all the listeners who don't know Nana, she is just, she's always happy. She's always smiling. Even if something's going so wrong, she just knows how to bring some sort of joy into it. And I've always loved that about Nana, but I feel like you were very different as a mom, not to say that you weren't all happy all the time, but you were definitely like a working mom and you had a lot of other priorities, I think in life. So I kind of want to talk more about like our relationship, bringing it really back. When you first found out that you were pregnant with me, what did you feel like? Uh, Terrified. Terrified, scared. Um, I was 25 years old. We were living in Nashville. Um, Me and your dad, I was not loving my job. I hated living in Nashville. We had moved there for my job. Your dad wasn't working at the time. Um, I was terrified. So like any normal person, I ran home (laughs) back to New Orleans because I was like, I cannot do this without family support. I was nervous because I... I just didn't think I could do it. When do you think that mindset changed? Um, I think uh, maybe Sheedy or somebody was super nervous and they were like, you're smart. And, or maybe it was Aunt Claire. I don't know. It was somebody. And they just told me like, people have been having babies forever. The fact that you're nervous means you're going to be fine. Yeah, definitely. What was I like as a child, like early newborn first couple years of my life? Thank goodness you're easy, easy newborn, <laughs> never sick, slept through the night on day one. I know you prioritize sleep Well, you did as an infant. Um, <laughs> so in that way, super easy. We had a lot of help. So, um, you know, I worked uh, crazy shifts. Your dad um, worked different, different jobs and things like that. So we always had help from aunts, your, your dad's family, from my family. So it made it easy in some ways. I think in other ways, looking back, it made it a little challenging because I always had help. So it wasn't like you were forced to create, or we were forced to create this like really strong bond when you were little. Um, I don't know if you remember, but I used to drive or your dad used to drive you an hour to Nani's house. He would drop you off or I would drop you off. I would drive an hour back and then work all day, then drive an hour to there to pick you up. Um, And I would get there and you would be like, no, go home. I'm having too much fun. (laughs) And so that's just kind of your personality. You were really outgoing, loved to be with other people. um, And that was great because that's the help we needed. And that's what worked for our family at the time. That's so interesting that you say that I was outgoing and loved being around people because now I feel like I'm very shy and I'm definitely more introverted. I like my alone time. So I wonder when that shifted for me. I wonder if anxiety had anything to do with that. 
Yeah, I'm sure it did. You know, I, I will say though, even when you were little, like little, little, like probably two or three, if we were at a friend's house at a party or dinner or something like that, it would be like, you would just go find a blanket. Like we could be in the middle of everybody talking and you were playing. And when you were ready for bed, you were just out of there. <laughs> like, no, like come tuck me in, no whining to go home, just like, peace out. I'm going to bed. <laughs> um, so I don't know if that's a priority of sleep or maybe like the first signs that you needed your alone time. When you were little though, you also did enjoy and embrace being alone. So if I, there was no way to punish you when you were little. So <laughs> just FYI, <laughs> um, if I sent you to, to your room, you were like, cool, I'm going to go take a nap or I'm going to write a story or <laughs> I'm going to do whatever. If I put you in the corner, you would just sing. So there was, it was very difficult to give you consequences. <laughs> um, growing up as an only child, I kind of was like forced to find fun by myself. So maybe that had a little bit to do with it as well. Maybe, maybe. Um, I definitely saw a shift in you probably you know, it was around that time that your grandmother passed away and it was also the time that you hit puberty. So around that, like nine or 10 years old is like, when I really started to notice that you were just a little different, like maybe like a little, a little glimmer was gone. Um, it would show up at times, but I definitely think that there was something going on with you that, that just shifted a bit. And how do you think that affected our relationship? I have always said about our relationship is that we were never besties, right? We were never like, oh, I want to go shopping with my mom. You were like, oh, I want my mom to give me money to go shopping. <laughs> um, but whenever you were in trouble or needed something, something serious, I do think that I was the person that you turned to um, if you were turning to anybody. I think a lot of times you turned inward. I take some fault for that because I didn't show a ton of weakness to you. I think I always tried to just like, everything's good. I'm going to take care of it. Like, we're going to send you here. You're going to, you know, whatever. Um, I think if I would have maybe been more open about that, uh, perhaps it would have helped you come to that a little bit sooner. Maybe, but I thought very highly of you when I was younger, especially when I maybe was a little bit meaner to you. Mm -hmm. It's because you had this like, I'm superwoman. I can do literally everything. And you also grew up very differently than me. And I was aware of that in my like early teen years. And I was like, oh my gosh, well, she grew up with so much less than me. So how can I share that? Like, I'm still struggling, even though I have significantly more resources and just everything than you had. So that was, I think, where I wanted to come to you, but I almost felt guilty for like struggling <laughs> because you had set me up for success in so many different areas of life. Well, I, I always wanted you to be grateful and know that you had resources and know that you had opportunities that maybe other people didn't. I probably went too far on that and not, and didn't share enough about but even with all the resources in the world and all the opportunities, sometimes as humans, we just struggle. Like that's just, we just do. And everything can be perfect and we can still struggle. So um, yeah, I definitely, you taught me that, you know, that maybe I don't have to take every situation and, and be the superwoman in it. So once I 
moved to college and I only went to college about an hour and a half away from where you were living, but I feel like that's when I first started realizing that if I wanted a healthy relationship with you, like I had to put in the effort too, because I wasn't just home all the time. I wasn't around you all the time. And I think that's when I first started realizing, oh, maybe I should just text my mom or call my mom or check in. How did that feel for you? That felt amazing. <laughs> Me and TJ had a joke. He's like, oh my God, Maya texted you. I was like, I know, I don't know what to do. Should I respond real quick? <laughs> it was almost like um, when you're first dating somebody, right? I was like, oh my goodness. And I don't want to overdo it. Uh, so no, it, it, it made, it helped build my confidence, I think, because you know, the whole time you're parenting, especially during the tougher years or tougher moments, you're like, I don't know if you're doing the right thing. I don't even know if there's one right thing. So to have that circle, you know, to have the the joy in our relationship that we have now and the and I would say friendship is really fulfilling because it's not something that I ever expected. I had hoped, but I didn't expect it. Right. Yeah. Well, because like you said earlier, we weren't really best friends growing up. Like I had a lot of friends in school that they would go hang out with their mom all the time. And I'm sure you even saw that. I went to like a really small school like Keo France and people were super close with their parents there. And I just wasn't in that way. But then, yeah, over time, I think that we definitely did develop more of a friendship. What do you think was the hardest part about being a mom? I think the hardest part about being a mom, I mean, and I think it's still true today, wherever a relationship is, you know, or wherever anybody is in their parenting journey is just, you know, you love this person, this child, this young woman, this whatever, so much that, but you don't have all the answers. And I think that's hard, right? Like you don't have all the answers. You can't protect, I can't protect you from everything. And it would be wrong for me too. (laughs) You wouldn't grow as an individual. So I just think that like watching things happen, it's almost like somebody described it as having like a heart outside of yourself. And yeah, it's just hard. You feel everything. You want to do the right thing. Sometimes you have to acknowledge that you didn't do the right thing, um, that you could have done it better. And yeah, that's hard. How was raising me, you're only like, biological daughter different than raising my stepbrother, Tommy? So it's very different. I, it was never a goal of mine to be your friend. I thought that could be like an extra, but it was not my goal. Like my goal is your mom. I think I actually think I wrote out goals because you know how I am <laughs> right. Right around the time you were born was to like make help develop a kind human that does good things in the world. Um, I think if I had to sum up what my goal was as a parent, And if we could be friends along the way, great. But if you never spoke to me, but you still grew up to be a kind, uh, generous human, then I I did a good job. For Tommy, because I, you know, came into his life at like 12 or I guess he was 12. You know, he has a mom that's in his life, you know, 100% of the time. And so I just try to be a resource for him. Um, I try to influence where I can, but... I have to sometimes default to his parents, his biological parents, because they're both very involved. And as you know, growing up part of the time with TJ, we view parenting very, very different. It's actually pretty difficult to be a bonus parent. (laughs) 
<laughs> because you like, I'm like, no, we should do this, but his parents want to do this other thing. And so again, it's about realizing that maybe I don't have all the right answers and that can be very humbling. Oh, I would imagine. And <laughs> yes, you and TJ, who is my stepfather, parent extremely differently. And that was also kind of challenging for me when we moved in with him when I was 13, we moved across country and it was just a lot of life changes all at once. So I think that that was just a lot for me when I was younger, but it worked out for the best (laughs) and I'm happy that it happened. Yeah. Those were some tough years. (laughs) I think for all of us, right? Like Tommy grew up in an environment where you know, everything was about him. You grew up in an environment where everything was kind of about you and then merging the two and TJ's very like, um, he's very different. (laughs) We'll, we'll save that for another episode. (laughs) Yes. He's a little bit like Nana in a way. Yes. I did somewhat marry like my mother, (laughs) the singing in the morning for sure. (laughs) So did you intentionally bring me up in a healthy household, because I think that is one of the biggest influences that you had on me. I mean, I have an entire Instagram and TikTok (laughs) dedicated to health and wellness. And a lot of people ask, where did your health journey begin? And that question is sometimes hard for me because I do feel like at a very young age, I was around healthy food a lot. And Also, mental health, you made that a point to talk about with me when I was younger. So was that intentional? Yeah, it was. Um, It was things that maybe I didn't have when I was young that I think I wanted or I yearned for. So uh, Nana, also like me, not a great cook, but her options were like Dinty Moore beef stew, frozen dinners, McDonald's. I definitely could notice in myself when I lived on my own, when it is really when I started to, to embrace like a healthier style of eating, um, have always loved vegetables and things like that. And just wanted to uh, have that available to myself. When you were born, um, it was a priority for me. I didn't have a lot of time, but I'm like, if I could get her with some good food, it <laughs> will be good. So really just having access to like the rainbow of foods was always important to me. And then for you to have, and then in addition to that, as far as mental health, when, you know, I started to see you struggle, I realized like, Hey, all this hard work I do, maybe I can't be the mom that's there at every single thing, but I can give her this resource that I can afford that I feel really privileged to be able to give you. Um, I wanted you to be able to take advantage of that and, and have tools and, and recognize I hadn't dealt with my own trauma or my own, um, issues. So if I could, at least give you the resource to, to help you handle yours. So it wouldn't be this thing that's passed down. I think we've talked a lot about our social anxiety. Nana has it. I have it. You have it. You know, at times we've soothed with um, excessive drinking of wine and like, that's just not something I want to continue the cycle of. Definitely. I actually made a rule for myself when I am in social situations, because I know that I struggle with social anxiety that I will not order alcohol until my social anxiety goes away because I am, I get nervous. I don't want to rely on it in that sort of way. And 
I know sometimes I'll go out with my friends with every single intention of, okay, yeah, I'm going to order a glass of wine. I love wine. I think it tastes delicious. But then I get there and if I'm feeling anxious, I hold off for a little bit. And I think that that was really helpful for me in kind of breaking that cycle. Good. I'm glad that I'm glad that you're doing something to help break that cycle. I, um, you know, I didn't notice it until it started when I started working and having to go to big meetings and chit chat is a very hard for me. Um, I definitely am one that seeks a deeper conversation and a lot of work meetings or a lot of things with, with TJ is very just like chit chatty. <laughs> as the weather kind of things. Um, so I definitely have also taken some steps to be able to, to reduce that and recognize how I'm feeling and that, that the wine isn't going to help. Definitely. It never does as well, which is something that I realized for me, at least it always ends up making my anxiety a lot worse. So yeah, it's been helpful to just completely ignore it until I want it just simply for the taste of it. Yeah, I'm also the queen of a mocktail right now because I have noticed that um, and trying to actually like change my behavior towards others. Um, I don't know when in society we became like, why do we have to bother people when they're not having a drink? Like, come on, like, why are we doing this peer pressure thing? Um, but notice that even I am guilty of sometimes being like, oh, you don't want to drink? Like, what's going on? And it's like, maybe nothing's going on. They just don't want to drink. But so I have found that it helps me to to have a something in my hand that I can drink um, that isn't alcohol so that people aren't like obsessing over the fact that I'm not having a drink. Yeah, definitely. And I think that that hopefully is shifting a little bit in society. Cause I notice if I don't order a drink, my friends don't really say anything. So I think as a society, we're kind of getting over that hopefully, but yeah. So you also prioritized, you know, having healthy foods in the house. And can you please tell your favorite story about when I went to Kyo, France? Ah, the bell pepper story. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. You like for lunch wanted to bring a bell pepper. They didn't offer, uh, you know, all your friends were bringing Lunchables. And I think I bought you one once and I probably was like, this is disgusting and um, probably wasn't great about it. But um, yeah, you brought a bell pepper to school and they called me and um, I think I was at work when they called. I don't remember exactly, but uh, they were like, we're really concerned about Maya. She's bringing a bell pepper to school. And I was like, well, are you concerned about the kids bringing Lunchables? Are you concerned about the kids eating chicken nuggets? And I was like, does she seem healthy? Does, is her brain working fine? And they were like, well, yeah. And I was like, okay, great. Well then don't worry about her eating a vegetable for lunch. Um, so yeah, I was a little annoyed me, me and your Kyo and your other school that you went to maybe weren't the best of friends <laughs> with the administration. <laughs> Yeah, no, definitely not at Chappelle either, but that's okay. I think it's so funny because I've always kind of been known as a teacher's pet in classes. Like I'm always best friends with my teachers. I always made pretty decent grades, like not not necessarily straight A's, but I did okay. And it's so funny to me to think back on my time at Chappelle and that like I was literally about to get kicked out. Like, yeah. yeah. I mean, I know you blame me and maybe I deserve some of that blame, but fundamentally the school was not, 
not where I would have selected for you to go, but I did let you choose. So I own that. (laughs) You've always cared about physical and mental health. You worked in retail for a really long time and then kind of, to me at least, it seemed very out of the blue that you quit and became a Pilates instructor. What was that journey like? So uh, when we moved to California, I left uh, my job and um, started, you know, a couple other retail jobs here. And then right around that time you got sick, there was two things that happened, right? You were a little making not maybe the best choices when we moved to California. And in addition to that, I was not loving my jobs. And then you started uh, getting sick. And it was really stressful and hard for me and TJ to balance that because we were both working and commuting um, pretty far to get to our jobs. So when I was, you know, a regional manager, I had to drive a couple hours to each store. And so like your school would call or we wouldn't get home till late. And so we just decided that more money was just more money. And if we weren't, you know, here for you and, and Tommy, that would be a fail on our part. So he was like, why don't you just not work? And I was like, well, that is just not going to happen. I need my own money. So I decided to become Pilates instructor because I loved it. I love the impact it had on others. I'm seeing people move better and free of pain, but also I was like, great. Well, if I'm not working, I can still get free Pilates classes because I'll be a teacher. And that was like the whole goal was just so I could take Pilates for free and not have to ask him for money for, for something that was like extra. So I became a Pilates instructor and, and that's, yeah, that was it. It was just so I could be around more. You were fainting a lot at the time with your pots and had a lot of doctor's appointments. And I don't know if you remember the physical therapy appointments and it was just, it was just a smooth transition into it. And then when you started doing better and off to college uh, is really when Equinox called. And so I was able to then pair my management background with, with Pilates and it seemed like a perfect fit. Has it been your favorite job? It has been my favorite job. Yeah. Yeah. It's been my favorite job. It's, um, it's different. Um, but it's, I stopped equating my value with how much money I make. And I, and I credit TJ for that listening to the way he talks about other people's accomplishments. It's never about money or title, um, which I find interesting. So, um, I had always equated if I'm not like the best or making enough money to provide for you, then I was a failure. And he kind of sh- helped shift my um, thoughts on that. What's your favorite thing about being a Pilates instructor? Is really meeting people where they are. So, and, you know, I think that relates to not just Pilates, but like in life, right? Like if you can meet somebody where they are, and that's whether you're talking about politics or movement or whatever it is, um, if you can find yourself in a position to really get to where they are in their thought process or their movement process, you can really help make a difference. Do you think that you influenced me to pursue Pilates? Probably. (laughs) Um, And I'm sorry about that. (laughs) Um, Probably. I think that I was... I was trying to be open and listening to what you were, what you were telling me after you got out of college, that all your memories have been of you in school and you're not ready to get a Monday through Friday, eight to five job and just jump into the corporate life and need a little bit more time to try and figure it out. And I know that when I was growing up, I didn't have access to counseling or, or uh, therapy that just wasn't 
a thing that we talked about and we definitely didn't have the resources, but what my parents did give me was an opportunity to dance. And no matter what chaos was going on in my life growing up, when I went into the dance studio and I started to dance, like it was, that was it. Pilates has been the second best thing for that as an adult, as an adult for me. So when I was trying to listen to what you were saying, I was like, gosh, if somebody had told me at 18, 19, 20, that I could somehow do a career out of movement, I would have been on it. Like that would have been the thing. So maybe that's right for Maya. So I'll just throw it out there and see if she, if that interests her. Yeah. And it's funny because I, I think of myself as a pretty independent person when it comes to like choosing my path and choosing my journey. Like that's always been important to me that I feel like I'm making the decision for myself and not for other people. And the other day I was talking to Trent and he was like, you know, you, you kind of are turning out to be just like your mom. And I was like, well, I don't think that's a bad thing, <laughs> but it's true. I love movement. Movement has always been like medicine for me. It's like the only thing that really helped me get through all of my pot stuff. And once I went to college and I didn't have dance anymore, that was really difficult for me. And within like a month of being in college, I started taking bar classes because I was like, I need something else to just like move my body, get out of my head a little bit. And so, yeah, I think, yes, you probably did influence me, but (laughs) I still love Pilates so much and the program has been so great. And I'm excited to also be working for Equinox very soon. And I want you to feel like you can make your own choices, right? Like if Equinox isn't right fit for you and maybe Pilates isn't, it's still another like tool that you have that you can use later. If you're like, I want to go in a totally different direction. Uh, You know, my, my hope for you is that you just find your own happiness in whatever you do. You know, it wasn't until recently that I was able to make the connection to why dance or why a movement soothed me. And it was, you know, I think we've talked about the meditation part of forever. People have been telling me, Dina, you know, if you just meditate, you'd be all right. But every time I try and meditate, I'm like a frantic mess. <laughs> and recently I went away to um, a place called Canyon Ranch. And one of the life coaches, health coaches, um, we're talking about meditation and she's like, oh yeah, if you've experienced trauma, like, especially as a child that you don't fully remember, um, whether perceived or not, like, she's like, meditation could be horrible for you. And I was like, wow. And she's like, so you would meditate probably more while you're walking or moving. And I was like, oh, it makes sense. Dance, dance used to bring me joy. And, uh, you know, her whole prescription for me was just dance more. And so, yeah, now you'd be really annoyed if you were living here because not only is TJ singing, I'm dancing while I'm getting ready in the mornings. <laughs> I love that though, because yeah, I miss dance too. I mean, Pilates is great, bar is great, but there is something about dancing that I think will just always hold a very special place in my heart. Well, if I were you, I have been looking to try and find a dance class. I don't care if I look stupid. I'm over that part of my life where I care about what I seem or look like. Um, I think there's still moments, but those are just thoughts to find a dance class. And I know you're in LA, so you have dance classes everywhere. Um, even Equinox offers some. So I, 
I encourage you to go and just maybe make a fool out of yourself, but find some joy in it. (laughs) Yeah, I think that's a good idea. So to kind of close out this episode, what is your favorite memory of us? I don't know if it's a favorite memory. I think there's just moments, right? There's moments when I would say probably like my favorite times and moments with you are probably when we're in Mexico, we're all a little bit disconnected. Um, We get to have dinners, we get to hang out. You also still have that independence about you where you're going to do your own thing, which I really appreciate and about you. Oh, so you like it when I film TikToks when we're all sitting under the cabana? (laughs) (laughs) I I know you don't like it when I watch them, (laughs) like when I'm watching you do it. But um, so there's that, you know, and I think like little Maya was just always like fierce, I guess. And um, yeah, and you never back down from me. And I really like that you challenge me to be a better person, a better mom. So if I tell, you know, if I'm sharing with you, oh, don't talk about people and don't gossip. And then you hear me do it. You're quick to call me out. And I like that about you. So I don't know if there's specific memory, but just like who you've always been, but also seeing who you are. You've always been this fierce little girl and you're still that in the world in a different way, but, but still that. You know, there's always that cat story. So, you know. (laughs) Maybe we'll save the cat story for another time. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you so much for joining me. Happy early Mother's Day. I really, really appreciated you coming on today. Well, thank you so much. I love you very much. And um, yeah, I appreciate you. I love you too. And thank you so much for listening. Usually I say like, oh, you can find so-and-so at (laughs) blank on Instagram, but I probably am not going to plug my mom. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, thank you so much for listening. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day and I will talk to you soon. XX Maya.